We are in week number six as we uh, study the life of Moses, ordinary man, extraordinary God. Now the Israelites, they've been freed from captivity to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, um, and now they've been led out by God's chosen leader, Moses. Last week, we saw them in crisis. You may recall, Pharaoh changed his mind. He started thinking, I just let go of two million slaves, <laughs> and they were hard workers. Who's going to fix this place up after the plagues destroyed it? So Pharaoh uh, sends his entire army charging after the Israelites. And we saw in Exodus chapter 14, Jehovah God works powerfully. He parts the waters of the Red Sea. The children of Israel walk through on dry ground. And then as Pharaoh's army comes charging after them, the Lord closes the waters and all of Pharaoh's army is destroyed in one mighty act. So just think with me, two mighty acts they've just seen in the last few days, okay? Passover lamb spared the firstborn son of Israel who had the blood over the doorframe of their homes. And all those who didn't have the blood, their firstborn Humans, animals, they all died. Now, secondly, the Lord's opened up the Red Sea, let, the, let them pass through. Sea shuts with a mighty crash. The Egyptian army is now gone. Okay, So now the children of promise enter the wilderness. We would call it the desert. It's a place of testing. It's harsh reality. It really is. Where life isn't what it once was, um, and it's never going to be the same again. We're not in Egypt anymore. A friend of mine wrote a book called The Land Between. His name is Jeff Mannion. Uh, Jeff and I um, harassed many professors together in Bible school. Uh, he's at Ada Bible Church, but he wrote this book called The Land Between. And I really like that term. It's... Uh, it's wilderness. It's the place where we grow resentful and bitter and angry if we're not careful. It's the place where it's hard and dry and challenging. The land between is a place where faith can go to die. It's also a place where our faith gets tested and we draw close to Christ and we grow and we mature. It can go either way. The land between is the place where life isn't the same anymore. The future's in question. Your normal is new, and it's hard, and it's painful. And truthfully, usually the land between comes unexpectedly. Almost never are we ready when we enter into the wilderness, the land between. It's things like, I'm sorry... Your job has been eliminated. It's uh, the surgery is scheduled for next week. Your mother and I are getting a divorce. Uh, your father's cancer has advanced. There's nothing more we can do. Um, it's things like, I think we should start dating other people. 
It's words like, Dad, can you come pick me up? I'm at the police station. Telling you, the wilderness is a hard, challenging, disorienting place. It's a time of transition and growth and testing. It's a time usually filled with doubt and fear and frustration. Now, please understand, for Israel, this is not their final destination. Okay? They're just passing through. It's just temporary. But I'm telling you, as they head toward the land flowing with milk and honey, Exodus 3.8, before they get there, they first have to pass through the wilderness, the land between. It's tough. Be warned. Wilderness is filled with complaining and murmuring and griping and whining. It's a place where the Lord is wanting to teach his children to trust him and know that he's out for their good. Even today, I've been preparing this all week long. And this morning as we're praying before the service, we pray at 8.30. You can always join us if you'd like to. Anyway, somebody asked, how's your eye? And I tell you, without thinking, I started grumbling and moaning and whining and complaining. And then I started laughing and I said, oh, and, and I'm talking about complaining today. And they all laughed. I'm telling you, very quickly, we all go there. Would you locate with me the second book in the, in the Old Testament? Excuse me. Exodus chapter 15. Now, please understand, earlier in Exodus 15, they've just sung songs of deliverance. And I'm determined I'm not singing to you today. Uh, and they're about to head into the wilderness now, the land between. And quickly, their view of Moses and the Lord changes. When their situation gets hard and challenging, watch where their attitudes go. Would you stand with me, please, if you're able? We're in Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 24. Here we go. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I can identify with them more than I should. So would you help us today as we uh, read about complaining and murmuring and grumbling that so often comes out of our mouth and our souls. Help us today as we journey through your word. Pray especially for those who are watching online, who uh, are here in person, who are right now in the land between. There's a strange, new, challenging time of doubt and frustration and fear and I'm praying, Lord, that we might be open to hearing from your book here today. Lord, I also want to pray for uh, the Thompson family. Because, Lord, they've uh, just entered the land between. I pray for Verlin. I pray for the children and the grandchildren. Lord, would you give them the grace they need to deal with 
Dorothy's promotion. And we know, Lord, she's doing great. But we still grieve. But we grieve as those who have hope. So we have a lot of hope and confidence that uh, we're all going to join her, hopefully soon, Lord. We invite the third person of the Trinity to come today and take charge today in your church. The truth is, Lord, we need to hear from you. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you may be seated. I almost said one non-grumbling voice, but getting carried a little bit too much. It's just been three days. Please track with me here. The Lord parted the Red Sea. The Israelites now are facing a water crisis. Okay, it's real. Uh, three dehydrating, hot days walking in the desert wilderness. Their water supply from Egypt, probably they brought some, is now exhausted. Their Yetis, their hydro flasks, their Brittas are all empty. Okay, so quickly... They go into complaining, grumbling mode, okay? They're saying things like, hey, big guy, Kimosabi, Moses, uh, this water is bad. This water is bitter. This water is undrinkable. What are you going to do about it? They demanded, okay? They weren't asking. They were demanding. You better take care of this right now. It's not a request. It's a demand. Meet our need now. Verse 25. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. What's this all about? To test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying, I'll not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Mara, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. Uh, interesting days for them. They are upset. They're thirsty. They're already sick of the land between. Again, this is a test, verse 25. The Lord says, I'm testing your faithfulness. I'm testing whether you'll be obedient to me. So I'm doing this Intentionally, I'm testing and teaching you how to trust me. Will you follow? Will you trust me when life gets hard? When you look to me, when the bottom of your life drops out, when your health goes south, when your finances are crumbling, when your marriage gets rocky, will you continue to trust me in the wilderness? That's what he's asking them. The lesson here. It is a good one, okay? Our God is so awesome that from the bitter, hot, anxious days, the Lord can bring something good and sweet. Isn't that good? 
When things are hard and bitter and difficult, the Lord is able to take that situation, Henry, and make it into something sweet and wonderful. Okay? Here's how Moses described what he's doing in the lives of his chosen people. We'll put it up here. Deuteronomy 8.2. He says, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. The Lord was testing the Israelites in the wilderness. He was teaching them to trust him, even maybe especially when life gets hard and painful and difficult. That's what he was trying to do. I want you to trust me. I want you to believe that I'm out for your good. And by the way, the Lord says, I never tempt. I do test. Okay? James 1 verse 13. And remember, when you're being tempted, to do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. That's huge. Okay? This fallen world that we live in, our old sinful flesh and the devil and his demonic legions are constantly working together to tempt us. Understand? Working in, in unison to try to get us to sin and they're trying to get us to complain and think that God is not good and Jesus is holding out on us. That is a tempt, trying to tear us down it says very clearly that's not what God is into. The Lord here is attempting to refine and grow and mature the Israelites. He's wanting to teach them to know the Lord and to trust him with their very lives. That's what's happening here. He's testing them. So it shouldn't surprise us if the children of Israel had to go through tests to grow and mature and build their faith? Give me your eyes. It shouldn't surprise us that we too are going to have to go through the land between. The Lord's wanting to build us and grow us and mature us. And the way he does that is allowing times of wilderness. Where the only one we can turn to that can make a difference is the Lord. We cry out to him. And we learn to trust Jesus Christ and know He's good. How often? Okay, I'll give you another run at that. And, and to know that Jesus is good, how often is he good? All the time. When we can really know that and start living that out, that's what he's after. Okay, about a month later. Okay, that's the first test. Test number two appears. They've seen the Lord can take things that are bitter and turn them into good and sweet things with water. Now, seems like they've run out of snacks, okay? Their Doritos are, are all gone. Their peanut butter and jelly is all used up. All the things they brought from Egypt is now gone, okay? Now they're hungry. Feed me. I'm starving to death. Exodus chapter 16. Here's what it says. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin. 
Okay, And that's not our word sin, by the way. I could take it. It's just a word to describe this particular uh, region. Okay, between Ilium and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So it's been a month. Okay, There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Verse 3, here's what they were saying. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they, they moaned. Uh, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Verse 2 informs us this isn't just a few. The whole community is complaining. Everyone is grumbling and whining. Now, just back up with me just for a moment. They've quickly forgotten what the Lord has just done for them. Okay? He led them out of bondage from Pharaoh and Egypt. He opened the Red Sea, and then they walked through on dry ground, uh, closed the Red Sea, wiped out Pharaoh's army, provided sweet water when they're thirsty. <laughs> and isn't that just how we view life? Jesus, you've been awesome and amazingly good to me. And now I've cried out for him to do stuff only God can do in my life. Thank you, Lord. I know you'll do it again and again. By the way, that's our closing song. Do it again, Lord. Um, anyway, um, and then a fresh difficulty knocks on the door. What? Lord, really? And now we're worrying, complaining, and grumbling, and whining. I'm telling you. It's just like that. We right, go right back. Okay, Lord, how am I going to pay for this doctor's bill? Lord, how can I afford gas at this price? Lord, it's raining again. I had plans. I'm going golfing today. Lord, why are you allowing this relationship to go south? I mean, it doesn't take much, does it? <laughs> now, it's not, track with me, it's not that their most recent struggle isn't real. Okay? They really are hungry. There really is a food shortage. The problem is how quickly they forgot how the Lord answered their last cry for help. It's like, we're going to die, we're going to die. How quickly they go from trusting to doubting. From singing songs of deliverance to murmuring and grumbling and complaining and whining. It goes fast. So, Look at verse 3. They focus on the abundance of food in Egypt. Yeah, you had some food, but you had chains. Yeah, yeah, you had some, some different variety of food, but you were a slave when you were there eating it. Yeah, you forgot the bad stuff and are only remembering the good stuff. Understand, it really is God's truthfulness and God's wisdom, and God's provision that they're really whining against. Yeah, Moses was their leader, and they knew he was getting instructions from the Lord. So really, their complaint, their grumbling is against God. You brought us out here to kill us. You're going to starve us to death. I hate this wilderness. I hate this land between. Now, here's what you need to know. This is a new test. This is a new opportunity for them to learn 
You can trust the Lord, and he's good all the time. That's a new opportunity, so watch. The Lord is going to graciously respond to their complaints and their bad attitudes. Just want you to know, it's a good thing I'm not their God. I think I would have responded differently. But look how the Lord does it. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I'll test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there'll be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you'll realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you'll see the glory of the Lord because he's heard your complaints, which are against him, not really against us. What have we done that you should complain against us? Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning. He's heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. The Lord is so gracious, so patient, so loving and kind. And uh, he responds generously. Just look, verses 4 to 7, I'm going to give you all the bread that you can consume. I'm going to provide quail, verses 8 and 13. Literally, the Lord says, I'm going to rain down bread and meat upon you. Whiners. I'm pretty sure he said that. But he's going to rain down unbelievable amounts of bread. Verse 3, and then I'm going to give you another test. Understand, this is a test. Will you obey my instructions? Will you collect only what you need for one day? Will you listen and rest on the Sabbath? Will you take some time to think about me? Will you learn to trust the Lord one day at a time? Okay? God has a plan. He establishes this is a heart issue, and I'm going to take care of your needs. Track with me. Bread and quail every morning, every night. Six days a week. Uh, I'm going to provide for your physical needs. Oh, and I'm also going to uh, provide for your spiritual refreshment. I'm going to have you take a day off, and you can trust me there. Okay? I'm going to supply what you need physically, materially, and spiritually as well. Verses 6 to 10, Moses uh, and Aaron take God's instructions to the Israelites. How do you think they're going to go with this test? How do you think they're going to do? Surprise! <laughs> not so good. Verse 19, then the Lord told them, do not keep any of it until morning. Verse 20, but some of them didn't listen and kept some of it till morning, but by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. <laughs> Moses was very angry with them. And then there was instructions regarding the Sabbath. Take uh, gather enough for two days so you won't have to work on the Sabbath. Verse 27, some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, <laughs> but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? Simple instructions given to the children of Israel. Trust God, trust me, follow my instructions, 
and it's going to go well. And they fail the test. They question God's goodness with their disobedience. But here's what I love. But the manna and the quail just keep coming. They're, they're disobedient. They don't trust. They think God might be holding out on them. And the Lord still remains faithful and provides even when his people fail the test. And now we should all say amen to that, right? Even when we mess up, even when we fall flat on our faces, the Lord remains faithful even when we fail the test. Can I hear a, wow, yeah. So here's the real question. We're in the land in between. My, my faith is tested. My future's in question. Will I believe that God is loving and he's out for my good? He knows what he's doing. He's wise. Or am I going to believe that Jesus is stingy and he's holding out on me and he doesn't really want me to be happy or healthy or help me out, okay? A heart of complaint, my faith is going to dry up and wilt, or will it be a heart of trust? Believe that God is good, he's got his awesome hands out, and he's going to help me with my future. I can trust his future plan and his goodness for my life. Which is it going to go? It can go either way. Turn with me to uh, the new section for a little while. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Would you locate that with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Apostle Paul refers back to this time with Moses. Okay? And he talks in detail about the land between. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 10. He says this, I, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And here's where it gets interesting. And that rock was, was Christ. Isn't that interesting? Paul's telling the church at Corinth, the church at Walloon, um, the Israelites, they ate the same food as us. They drank the same spiritual drink as us. And both of these miracles are pointing to Jesus. Remember this, give me your eyes. The Bible is a unified story, and everything in God's word points to Jesus. That, that'll help you. If you'll just remember, everything is pointing to Jesus. So how does this story of the Israelites in the wilderness apply to us? How does this connect to Jesus? I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to Gospel of John, okay? I want to show you something in John's Gospel. Very interesting. Chapter 6. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement. <laughs> 
Because Jesus had said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, verse 42, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? Okay, and that's exactly, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. My father did. Now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Okay? It's pretty crazy. Slide down. Then the people are murmuring, you're the bread of life. No, you're not the word of life. And then he says, no, I am. It's exactly who I am. Now track with me. In Exodus 16, the Israelites complained and grumbled against Moses because of bread. Here in John 6, the Jews complain and grumble and murmur against Jesus. Why? Because he said he is the bread of life coming down from heaven. Okay? And uh, slide down to verse 43. But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. At the last day, I'll rise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they'll be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Anyone, slide down to verse 47. Tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all what? They died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I'll offer is my flesh. This is uh, interesting stuff. Jesus is teaching them, the disciples and the listeners and us. The Israelites all ate the manna in the wilderness and they all died. Question is why? Why did they die when God provided them bread from heaven? Are you ready? They died because they didn't trust the Lord. They, they didn't do well on the test, okay? They died because they refused to believe that God would provide and they didn't listen and obey and they just kept disobeying and complaining against the Lord. Now, Jesus is telling the crowd, stop complaining. This is the same problem the children of Israel had in the wilderness. God provided the bread and they didn't believe or they disobeyed and they died. Now, Jesus has come and he's declaring what? I'm the bread of life. I'm the one who brings life. And all who refuse to believe in me will die if you don't trust me, if you don't depend on me, you're going to die just like the children of Israel did out in the wilderness. Same thing is true for provision of water. Go to chapter 7, next chapter, verse 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said this, living water, he's speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into glory. 
Again, the reception is mixed here, okay? Uh, drink from me, Jesus says, streams of living water flowing from your heart. Some believed, others objective and wanted him arrested, okay? Some believed and said, no way, you're not living water. Arrest this man. Now let's go back to what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. We'll put it up here. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The rock was Christ. So did the Israelites carry around a big old rock from place to place? Everywhere they did they have to carry a boulder around? And the answer is no. Paul calls this a spiritual rock that traveled with them for 40 years. Paul's telling us, give me your eyes. This is where we're coming to conclusion. Christ is the ultimate provider of life. Please understand, the Israelites had the provider of life traveling with them when they were in the land between, in the wilderness, okay? But they rejected him, they didn't trust him, they complained, they moaned, they grumbled against him. Paul's telling us, uh, they had Jesus with them. <laughs> the whole time, Jesus spiritually was with the children of Israel for 40 years and they didn't believe him and they didn't trust him and they moaned and grumbled against us. Paul is now telling us, you know what? We need to pay attention. They had the plagues, the Passover, the parting of the Red Sea, the destruction of the Egyptian army, the water that was made bitter is now sweet, the bread that rained down, on Israel every morning, the quail that was provided every night, still they refused to trust in the goodness of God. Not enough, so they died out there in the wilderness. Jesus Christ is our daily bread from heaven. That's, that's the idea here. We get to spend time with Jesus, and we feast with Jesus and from Jesus Every single day. That's the idea here. We have spiritual water. Every time we're thirsty, we run to Jesus and we say, I'm drinking streams of living water now. Jesus, recharge my batteries, refill my tanks, and you got to do that one day at a time. Myron, you can't feast on Jesus today for tomorrow. It's an everyday thing. You have to walk with Jesus daily. In order to live, we need food and water. In order to have spiritual life, we need Jesus Christ who provides spiritual food and spiritual water. But to do that, you have to know Jesus personally and eat and drink daily. That's the idea. And now, as we travel through, we find, you know what? My life has changed. My life isn't what it used to be. My future, it's in doubt, it's unclear. And many of us suddenly are thrust into the land between. Lord, I, I don't like the wilderness. I, I don't like this unknown stuff. 
And here's the question, am I going to trust or am I going to complain? It really is a choice. Will I believe that Jesus is good and walk closely with him and feed on him daily? Or will I grow resentful and angry and anxious? Will I complain and mumble and grumble and whine? Lord, I don't like this new situation I'm in. I'm upset with you. I don't want to grow and mature. I just want to go back to Egypt. Which is it going to be? We really do have a choice. It's kind of a daily thing. Bow your heads and shut your eyes as we close. Would you just pause and invite the Lord to take his word and apply it to your life even right now for the next few moments? Lord, speak to me. How does this apply to my life? I'm listening. Lord, forgive us of all the times that I, that we've been tested and you're wanting to grow and mature us. And instead of trusting and knowing that you're good all the time, we failed and whined and complained. Would you help us to trust and believe even when it's hard, even when it's painful? Even we're in the land between and we don't want to be there, that you're still good and wise and you know what you're doing. I want to pray for each person here today, those watching online who are in a season of challenge, wondering what you're doing tempted to question your goodness, your wisdom, your kindness. Lord, would you help us? can't do this on our own. As we run to you, Jesus, we, we want you to know we've seen you again and again and again. You're good. We trust you. We trust you with this situation. And there's lots of different situations that we're facing. Jesus said, in order to have spiritual life, you have to have Jesus. So please know, you might be in a bad situation, but the real question is, do you know Jesus personally? Is there clear evidence that Jesus is alive and working in you? Is there clear and obvious fruit? If there's not, new life with Jesus can begin right now. It starts with the gospel, which are historical facts. Jesus, you left the glory and splendor of heaven for us. And I believe that. You took on a human body 
and you successfully lived a sinless life, Jesus, and you did that for me because that makes you qualified to be the sinless lamb of God. Jesus, you willingly shed your blood, allowed your blood to flow on that cross. For my greatest problem, I'm a sinner. You took my place in the grave, and Jesus, I believe for me, early Sunday morning, you literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead. Those are the facts. I believe those facts for me. And now, as an act of faith, a choice of my will, with passion, with desire, I invite you in, Jesus, to be my Savior and King. I receive you as my Lord. Come take charge of my life. You need to be my spiritual bread and my spiritual water. I need all that only you can bring in my life every day. I say yes to you. If you're watching online, right now you can hit a button that says, yep, I'm ready to make that choice. If you're here in person, make your way to the prayer corner. We'd love to celebrate and get you going in this new journey with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking so clearly. And thank you that your book is all pointed towards your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.